the blast from our past network. Hey everyone, co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Without you, podcasting after dark would not be possible. If you would like to help the show grow, please consider signing up at patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. You can also support the show by purchasing one of our awesome t-shirt designs on our merch store at podcastingafterdark.com or by picking up a copy of Seven Winters Alone by David Irons on paperback, hardback, or Kindle. Just search for Seven Winters Alone on Amazon or click on the link in the show notes. A free way to help out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those reviews are huge for us and really helps get the show in front of new listeners. Again, thank you all so much for the love and support you've given us over these past few years. It really means the world to us. Welcome to our Patreon-exclusive interview series for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Tonight's interview is with the star of A Nightmare on Elm Street, Gotcha, and Wildcats. Actor, Jesu Garcia. Jesu Garcia, thank you so much for being on Podcasting After Dark. Let's do it. It's a true honor to have you on the show. Obviously, we're big fans of your movies and from the 80s, specifically in the early 90s. And I want to talk about Miami Vice at some point. <laughs> but you've had quite a journey um, through. I got, you know, I got to make it to the 2000s, which is good. Yeah. And, then and you're looking back. good. Thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm 44 and I'm looking at you going, yeah, are, you, are you younger than me? I'm 57, <laughs> baby. We can do this. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Um, and it's an honor to be here, Corey and Zach. Uh, the the movies keep me young because I don't do them anymore. But you guys keep having babies, <laughs> and, uh, and the younger you guys, the older I get, the younger the fans get. Actually, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street is 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 a staple amongst um, all horror, sci-fi, and cult fans, mm-hmm. and. Gotcha is a personal favorite of mine. <laughs> oh, Wildcats so is a personal favorite of mine and my sister. My there was one summer where my sister watched Wildcats every day, once a day. So that is forever burned into my brain, <laughs> and I love that movie. <laughs> I like to watch these rappers, uh, Charmelaine. You know, mm. all yeah. these guys they talk about, and there was one guy that finally spoke the truth that one of the great rappers that doesn't get a lot of. Um, he doesn't get a lot of uh, kudos is LL Cool J and LL oh, no doubt. Cool J he ran the whole music department in terms of rapping I mean he came in with three white lawyers and him and he was like 16 years old or something and he wrote he wrote all that you know wildcat yeah I mean you know oh he did yeah LL Cool J is was amazing you know he doesn't get a lot of um he's sort of underrated i believe i know i know rappers know him people know him but his contribution in in the in the hip-hop world is amazing yeah at least for oh me. no doubt at least for me well i mean we're, you're talking to a generation of i mean Corey and i are amongst that same generation of early hip-hop when hip-hop was really starting to take off and then personally the 90s the early 90s was when i was really getting into it uh, when acts like, you know, LL and then Def Jam Records was just kind of coming up and EPMD and um, Eric B and Rakim, that's 80s, late 80s. But guys like Third Base who definitely don't get enough appreciation because they were three white guys or two white guys, you know. Um, and then the Beastie Boys, obviously. But now the new generations are finally catching on to that stuff, hopefully. And Wildcats exploded with the hip hop in there. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that was a lot of fun. I mean, we were rapping we amateurs were rapping on our on a, on, a, on a rap on a hip-hop artist who wrote it but it was <laughs> we were total amateurs that was not your first movie you worked no. on obviously 
My first movie, I well, it goes back to Fame, the TV show. Erica Gimple played um, Coco. They took yep. a lot of the real cast, and I got to play Coco's boyfriend. And I thought I was going to be a movie star in 1982, and Billy Joel was bla blasting through the radios and the Innocent Man album, and there I was. I went broke for. I was actually homeless, kind of brokeish afterwards, but the the possibility was amazing. And then uh, I I was frustrated, gonna give up, and it's it's one of those things. And I was pulled into an audition. I got an audition to a West. We don't know who Wes Craven is. He was some really low budget guy who did The Hills Have Eyes and some crazy movies. And uh, he gave it to me right then. You know, those are the best parts where they're like, you got the part. And then he asked me to hang around for the casting of Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp was supposed to be sort of like your typical jock. I was the sort of the, I, I modeled it after like a, like a fake Travolta, like Greece, <laughs> Greece was popular and I wanted the leather jacket kind of thing. I'm cool. I thought you were going to say Vinnie Bomberino from yeah, Vinny, Welcome yeah, to Cotter. Yeah, you're right. I've been, what? The, I've been Where? Like fake. I had no personality then and I was trying to acquire them. And one of them was the Vinnie Bomberino. Who? Who? And... All I can say is I had a six pack in that movie, and that's all I care about. And, and I was yeah, you ruined it. You, and I ruined, you ruined it for uh, you ruined it for young boys everywhere because they're like, I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna have six pack abs, and no, it's not that easy. And then I had uh, and John Saxon was you know no, I worship John Saxon because of uh, you know uh, uh, Enter the Dragon. Yeah. Oh my God! But uh, I didn't really we we weren't really like. I don't know. I was, I was kind of a, a rude punk. And then, and then later I would grow up to be a elder punk. No, I, I, would, I would, I would just learn to be more respectful to actors, but he was definitely a, uh, was definitely an amazing actor. And then I got to work with him on, uh, um, murder. She wrote Angela Lansbury. Yeah. He yeah. was a, he was a cook that murders people or something like that, and then I was his under I was his sous chef or whatever. Mexican Jessica chef. Fletcher. Yeah, <laughs> she's still alive, dude. She's amazing. I mean, how how awesome is that? You know that uh, that well, first of all, the fact that they're living to this that she's living to this day. John unfortunately passed away about two years ago or about a year ago, I think. Yeah, yeah he lived down the street from me, and uh, we'd always talk. I mean, the guy was the most handsome guy, and still, uh, you know, he did movies with Brando. Pretty cool cat. Man of bronze. He was uh, had that golden tan always. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that movie? Do you remember that movie he did where he lands on a planet and it's Amazonian women and it's all women planet and they all like. Kind of I, I should. I should remember that movie. <laughs> they, they all they ravage him and everything. <laughs> That's you're speaking Corey, Corey's language right now. As, as I'm checking IMDB, which one is this again? <laughs> this is this is gonna be this administration, you know, once uh Kamala Kamala becomes uh president, it's just gonna be all women and they're gonna ravage us men, you know. <laughs> yes. Corey, you okay ha with that? Happily, happily. happily. <laughs> hey, you know. <laughs> oh man. Well, you know, it, it's funny you bring up politics, uh, and, and but the idea of you know Corey and I are huge fans of just cinema in general, and uh, and 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 John Saxon is a legend. Uh, and anytime you know someone like that gets ravaged, I'm, I'm sure it's <laughs> it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Um, and then what, what a world we're living in right now. Did you ever think to this day we would be, you'd be seeing the landscape that we're in with uh, the politics? And I, I have a six-year-old son, and I'd say that to him. I'm like, no way did I envision things would be like this right now. Um, you know, my, my buddy died. John Roger died in 2014, and I, I hit the books, and I read um, – um, wait, my, my friend has a great line called uh, – don't run your ignorance as information, period. I love mm. that. That's and awesome. And I stayed away a lot from the news because it was 
disinformation, misinformation. And then I love what Denzel Washington said. Um, I, I prefer if I read the news, I'm misinformed. If I don't, I'm uninformed. I prefer to be uninformed. And that's, you know, that's the equalizer. You know, that's why I like him. No doubt. And I, I prefer um, to just go, just to know what's here as my compass. Yeah. As I watch just the, just the, the volleying of untruths and truth, they might not, you know, the scientific fact is that all source is bias. Mm-hmm. All source is bias. So then you might as well just listen to your own counsel. Otherwise you're, you're going after the God of opinion, but no, I would have, you know, but bottom line is I read the Hamilton, the Alexander Hamilton book, which is about this thick. Wow. And they were more vicious than we, we could ever be. Oh yeah. Okay. So this is yeah. a kind of a joke because we have news cycles that are 24 hours and we're more inundated, but they, you know, Alexander would uh, be an anonymous, anonymous writer and he owned his own newspaper company under a different name and attack his opponents viciously. And back then where we cared about each other's honor, if you call me out, we got to go shoot each other. It was called yeah. a duel. And it was a little bit more intense because if you called me out, we got to go shoot it out. And then Corey's got to talk us out of it. <laughs> on the way I'm just gonna sit there and watch. <laughs> and it was illegal, and it's illegal to shoot it out in New York. So we got to go to Jersey, I mean, <laughs> not Jersey. Uh, and it was crazy. It was a crazy time. It was a crazy. So I go. You know what? It's all relative. Yeah. Um. But I, I really feel good about. I I, I found uh, you know all entrepreneurs. The entrepreneurs say, you look at something difficult like this, and you look at it as an opportunity, never as a, a as a problem. Absolutely. And, and, and then it becomes create creative. So on that aspect, COVID has allowed, you got to keep your mental health up or you, you're going to go, you're going to kill yourself, okay. which a lot of people are doing. I, I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's that intensity and there's rage in the streets of wear your mask, you damn devil. Uh, you know, and then there's the politics. You can't get involved with it. It's like family fighting because my dad's, a Trumpian and I'm nothing. I, I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't even vote. I prefer, I just don't, I don't want to pick a side that hates the other side because yeah. the, the 59, the 75 million that voted for Trump, I feel for them. You know, they're, they're Americans. I, yeah. I actually go around the country, so I can't, I'm like a comedian. You know, we do stand up in Tennessee. You can't, throw down Tennessee or Kentucky or when you're going into Florida, those are all my brothers. They're my, I'm an actor, man. They buy my tickets. Yeah. So why would I throw down an actor personally cannot take sides or an artist? You must paint. You must act. Mm. You have your canvas and let, let your feelings, you know, my struggle is I hate that we're, I don't hate it. I I'm disturbed by that. We don't, love one another a little bit more, you know, because it's not that it's not that we're foreign, dude. It's like, no, you know, the guy that follows Trump, not the guy with the horns at the Capitol. <laughs> um, that guy's funny, but these guys, you know, I know these guys from Florida, you know what I'm saying? My dad's yeah. a good guy. And he just went to the rally before the election. My dad oh. didn't storm the Capitol. These are good guys, you know? Well, yeah. I'm not saying they're all good guys, you know, but I'm saying I can't take size. The landscape's weird. So I stick to myself and I read books. And uh, to answer your question, I just stay away from the news and Facebook and everything. It's the only way. I, yeah. I mean, that that's a very healthy perspective, um, I think. I, I was going to say, you know, uh, the fact that I have a six-year-old son and have to frame the, my thought process with him in a way that's educational so he nice. understands nice. and informative so that he doesn't take a side or a biased and we talk about you know finding finding the 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 light in everyone finding that thing that connects us versus dividing us nice is is I, for I, I look at my I have an opportunity or an advantage 
because I have an outlet with such a young source, you know, and uh, in many ways, he's he's a guiding light for me because it allows me to break through some of the frustration and anger and, and the emotions associated with what's going on right now. And I agree with you that we need to love each other more. We need to show more compassion. We need to show more uh, connection in, in finding those common grounds that we all have. Because um, we are all connected, you know, through, yeah. through energies and, and all that, you know, everything there. And it doesn't matter what, you know, religious belief you have, or even if you don't have a religious belief, we're still connected in, in through all of this. And uh, yeah, I, I, and to, to your point, uh, what you said about, you know, how you take advantage of these opportunities, you know, for me, I just kind of like hunkered down and just, you know, full tilt boogie into the podcast. And, you know, we actually made some good strides this year because kind of just didn't have anything else to do. So let's push it, you know, and uh, you just you take advantage of it. But it, it does get hard. And, and my, my wife works at Trader Joe's, so she has to deal with, you know, the, the people ranting without the mask. And where's my and toilet that. paper? man? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it's everyone's everyone's going through a battle. And, you know, you see those people who are ranting and get upset. And like you said, you feel bad for them because it's like, OK, I don't think that at their core, they're a bad person. I think they're caught up in a, in a madness that's happening and they're upset, but they don't know what they're upset about because they're being manipulated. I mean, we're all being manipulated by the news in some way, shape or form. And, yeah, it's just at some point, just look at the person as not the raging lunatic, but look at the person like you know, like, how, how can I help you? How can I help you see a better way? Yeah, compassion. The uh, I got a good friend out of New York. He's making T-shirts that say art versus algorithm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like yeah, that. Nice. That's cool. Mm -hmm. And you just said it. The algorithm seems to be AI algorithm separating us. Well, first of all, we're buying into it. Yeah. yeah. And art is this coming together. Yep. There's, there's no separation here. So you reached out. And I don't think it was an algorithm. It was like, hey, you know, there he is. Let's work. Well, you had actually been on my radar for a long time because obviously we're huge fans of your work. Uh, and I also want to know about what, what you, with your, with your good friend, uh, John Roger, uh, your connection and, and all of that. Um, but you're saying you were kind of a, you know, cocky or a jerk. I'm paraphrasing, but you know, you're saying when you were younger, uh, with that, with those six pack abs and nightmare in Elm street, and you're probably on fire and everybody's telling you you're fantastic. And, and then you go on to make, make, you know, gotcha and then wildcats and yada, yada, yada. Like what a journey that must've been for a young kid at that time. Yeah, it was, um, I was, I, I had a, I, a bell. I think I still do. I have a belly full of fire for what I knew. I, you know, when I was born, um, I knew what I wanted to do. And it was really weird because when I was young, I was like, I want to marry Dean Martin. So I quite, I didn't even quite know that I was a man or a woman. Yet. <laughs> That's pretty but awesome, I, actually. But I was just, uh, I love Dean Martin, whatever it is, that seems like what I want to do. Then I guess I knew what a man woman is. And then, um, then I was like, well, I want to be like that. Always searching for what I wanted. And then the actor was, you know, I don't know if you remember Matt Dillon. Yeah. Matt, Matt Dillon was the guy you're looking at to go, that's what I want to do. You know, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, which is mirroring, you know, mm. and psychology, they call it positive projection, negative projection. And positive projecting is just what's your favorite heroes? Who do you like? Now go emulate that. Unfortunately, you find out bad things about your heroes, so you have to cut that part out, you know, yeah. and uh, so you emulate and you NLP it. And I went after everything, I, but I was lost in who I was. I was like, yeah, I'll do Travolta today. Oh, Matt Dillon looks good. And then uh, who was the other guy? It was Matt Dillon. And Dillon took it out. Dillon did like every teen movie that. Oh, yeah. And Outsiders. Then, Flamingo Kid. And you remember, of course, uh, there was no Tom Cruise, but Outsiders was coming out. I auditioned for Outsiders with oh, okay. with, uh, with Harrison, with um, Francis Ford Coppola. And I read the books. I was in love with the, you know, those, those teenage, uh, she's a writer. I forgot her name. Essie Hinton. Yeah, yeah, Essie Hinton. She was amazing. And then she wrote Rumblefish. 
-hmm. and it was it was thing you know diane lane was coming up those were my people so then i just i just copied and got lucky and then then you make stupid moves like you know you you, i had one i had john travel i had uh richard gears agent at lamato and jj harris was i forgot the girl that was in monster uh oh charlize theron right jj discovered her and jj was working with kevin costner right around the time of dances with wolves Hmm. and i passed it's just crazy things you do but you're here i passed on la bamba and then isai morales got it I passed on just crazy stuff. I passed on batteries not included. I love that movie. But I all based on, you know, my integrity. My integrity is like, you know, my friend said, well, you could have renegotiated it. I probably could. But my integrity was I gave my word to someone else to do this movie that bombed hmm. that Madeline Stowe would be popular in. And then she blew up. And then I did just a crash course on B movies. It was amazing. And <laughs> And I worked with, I did two B movies with uh, the famous, um, he's a famous guy. Back then, the cables were big. So to pump out B movies for cable oh. content. Yeah. And Jim, Jim Wynarski or uh, uh, not Jim? He was famous. But anyway, you get caught up making love to older women in femme fatale kind of movies sally kirkland yeah yeah you're making love on pool tables and then you're you're the fall guy and some badly written script the heat of passion was cool because it was sally kirkland so you're working with an academy award nominee she saved my career she brought me back because when you get caught in the b movies nobody hires you Hmm. but more b's and maybe you go to c's (laughs) and and but uh uh God, what was his name? Um, but you'll know him. He did. Uh, um, he started all the guys: Francis Ford Coppola and Nicholas K. Uh, Jack. Oh, Nick. Roger Corman. Roger, Roger Corman. Corman. I did oh, two yeah. Roger Corman movies. I'm like a graduate. <laughs> I think Jack Nicholson did two or three. I ride my bike past his old uh, studio with the with the giant binoculars in Venice. By Venice, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we yeah. shot in the back. They pick little alleyways and shoot there. And, oh, really? <laughs> and, they, and it wasn't made out of video. They shot film. So yeah, he'd take the most ambitious kids, give them a camera, and they work for nothing. And he was making gazillions, you know. Oh yeah, um, I mean, and James uh, Cameron came out James of there too. Yeah. Exactly. It's a school. It's a it's a good school to, to come out of. I'm proud to have done that. Because if you can learn how to make a movie on on a smaller budget, then imagine what it you can do with a bigger one. It wasn't far from Ed Wood. Remember Ed Wood and yeah, print, yeah, yeah. No. and print, print and roll. You know when the, <laughs> shuts the door and the whole wall moves. Okay, let's print. Not. <laughs> I swear it's not far from that. Well, you know when when we were younger. Um, yeah, those movies were considered B or you go, straight to video, right? And 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 at the time, uh, you know, it'd say, "Oh, well, your career is over, right? Because you're going straight to cable." Or how dare you be a screen actor and go to television? But now things have changed so yeah. much; it's so different now, right? As I, as a performer, I made a mistake. Uh, I didn't make a mistake. There's no mistakes. I'm in the right path. But uh, my agent was a, a non TV guy. It was it was known then that if you went to TV, it was over. Today, yep. you go to TV as the platform to get out and do movies. Um, the the great example of that guy is George Clooney. Yeah, I was not. I was behind George Clooney. You know, he was on Facts of Life, and I was making movies. And then he was smarter because I don't know if it's smarter, but he was getting the bucks and getting work constantly by being on a series and then he went from one pilot to a pilot to a pilot to a pilot they got canceled they got canceled they got canceled he gets er it's over so this is uh this is what we do this is uh every february we get thrown on the wall called velcro and if it sticks we got a hit we got a series but not always a hit series i've been in a series and you know you don't get nothing but uh uh, George was a great example of a guy that worked really hard in, in, in TV, TV, got a few something, something, and then he really 
blew up. Now that's the reverse of the way that I was brought up. It was never do TV, uh, hold for the, the films. Yeah. And it was at a time when people took chances on young actors. Now it's, now you need the, the TV quota, the rating, the popularity on Instagram. And yeah, the all, Instagram you know, followers, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a weird rating system now. There was never like that. It's like a director liked you and put you in the movie and then you blew up or you didn't. Well, you, you had that run, you know, like you said, you, you, you did turn down certain things, but man, whenever you popped up your presence on screen to me, I know I'm speaking for Corey too, but your, your presence was so captivating. I wanted to always see more of you. So whenever a movie would come out and your name was on it, that made me want to go see the movie. I don't care what it was. I don't care if it was Lawless Land or, uh, you know, which I actually like. I, I really love that movie. Lawless Land was Roger's kind of takeoff on Mad Max. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So it was like, no, for me, it's like, uh, thank you. You're I, welcome. I like to, I always reinvented my, I always love to reinvent myself. And I was amazed that I would get a comeback every 10 years. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it was incredible because I thought I was done in the eighties. The nineties were a little bit, it was a little rough. And then I, I blew up in 2000, like heavy movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was, and you know, I changed my name. My name used to be Nick Corey. My John Roger told me, uh, well, my real name is Jesus Garcia, Jesus Garcia. Okay. I was ashamed of the name. Now I'm not, I don't really care. But I was like, oh, my God, I'm going in here saying I'm Jesus. I don't get it. And, you know, my name is Jesus. But uh, so I I changed it from Tom Fox, Nick Corey, just, you know, in search of who I am, essentially, and buying what, you know, Svengali agents. Ah, you'll never work as a Latin. The, le the only Latin guy that was working back then was um, um, the guy in Star Trek. Wrath of Khan, that guy, Ricardo oh, Montalban yeah. oh, yeah. Montal was like the Latin, but I didn't want to associate with him because I'm not a Chicano actor. It was a whole lot of clicky things. Like, you know, I don't want to be known as a black actor, a Latin actor. I want to be known as an actor. So I never got into the clicks. So mm -hmm. I was Nick Corey for a long time. Everybody thought I was Italian. When I went Jesus Garcia, they were like, Oh, so you're a Latino. When did you come into town? And then so everybody, the same people, the same people that cast me as Nick, you know, after a while, you're not working, you're up and down. You can come in and they forget. They're like, wow, you seem amazing. I, I seem to know you. You're so amazing. And when you're fresh, you get moved around quicker. Yeah. And yep. they were then I all of a sudden I was like with Andy Garcia making Latin movies. I couldn't get an Italian role at all. <laughs> and then all of a sudden i was just always a cuban i was always a cuban cuban <laughs> or a mexican which i love i'm not one of those actors you know i came from the school of acting that says give me this much of a role and i'll make it that big hmm. it was um it's not small it's not small parts but small actors and you tear your teeth into it i did a movie called traffic yeah and it's just the brother on the page says brother Oberon, the ga the cartel guy. And I said, I'm going to make Benicio's there. I went to school with Benicio. I was like, I'm going to make this movie. I'm going to kill when the camera comes to me. So I got a gold tooth. I got, I, 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 I hung around real people that knew cartel guys. So I decided to be a gay cartel guy. And because everyone else is macho with the, you know, uh, Benjamin Bratt, he's got a, mm -hmm. yeah, he's yeah, gay yeah. He's, totally. I'm, brother, I'm brothers with Benjamin Bratt, right? So he's <laughs> all macho and he just got driven to the set. He's dating Julia Roberts in real life. So I start to make up a story like I'm the brother, you know, like Fidel Castro has a brother and this gangster has a brother, but I'm like that, I'm like that guy that, always was always shunned on and bullied but i'll make him gay flamboyant and the how it came about was um the the costume designer comes into the the my my trailer and she goes well what would you like to wear versace 
or a suit and I'm going Versace. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like tank top with a, with a shark, with a shark in the shoulder. I'm like, that's the guy. I put the gold tooth. I walked into the set and Steven Soderbergh goes, oh my God, what have you done? And then, and then, and then Benicio goes, I like the gold tooth. I used to do that. And then, oh. <laughs> and uh, so I flipped it, you know, I flipped it. And then you take a small part and you make it giant and you, you create around, you create, you've got to get that story down. And before you know it, they cut one of our scenes, but I love my scene in it. And it was incredible to act with Benicio and be involved with Catherine Zeta Jones. I mean, it was real. It felt real. Well, that movie is huge. Uh, the, the fact that it came out in what 2000, I think, uh, <laughs> over 20 years ago is a trip to think about because I, I feel like it's very relevant to, to, to today. Uh, there's a show on Netflix called Narcos, and there's a cartel leader who's gay. In the, uh, he's based on a real person, but when you're describing who your look, uh, the, the attitude, you know, your character, Pablo, th- he looks he's just like that. Yeah, like with the you know, um, I don't think it's the same character. Like, no, it's he, not. It's uh, I knew about this guy that I played because he was in prison, and he would ask the playwright, the guy I was training under. He was my supervisor, my uh, technical advisor. He would write plays and act out with men in the gay prison, and for not the gay prison in the prison for the guys. Yeah. And, uh, and I just don't want, I don't want the cartel guy to come visit me. But, but, um, <laughs> I know it's still I, real. It's very real. <laughs> it's very real. It's very yeah. real. Yeah. It's not. And, uh, and I said, I want to play that guy. And then he told me who it is. And, and I looked up his belt buckle, you know, like it's all about that Mexican belt buckle, <laughs> that, you know, like that, that cowboy rodeo belt buckle jeans, the boots. I mean, these are tough guys. They're not like, you know, gay, I'm weak. It's like he just preferred boys and that's okay or yeah. men, but he'll kill you just as well. Like El Chapo type guys. Yeah. Uh, they don't look, they don't care. They, they, this is, you know, these guys got money. They got power. I mean, you saw him in Narco. You saw that guy. I thought that guy was awesome. He boy, he was fantastic. Maybe one of the best ones in, in the, in the series. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, I, and you, you hit on a really good point. Um, this idea of breaking down that idea of sexuality, not playing a role in, in the masculinity, you know, in the sense that you, you just because you have a preference doesn't mean you're weaker than no, the other one, you know, yeah. and it, the way I played it was Benjamin Bratt. I just associated things. Okay, Benjamin Bratt's got a star for a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm jealous of that. So I'm going to have my stars. Yeah. And they're going to be any kind I want. And I didn't have to play uh, the Don. I play, you know, Sonny Corleone flamboyantly. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, uh, and I think Steven loved it. It was a trip. It was a trip. And so you reinvent. You got to do to stay alive in the game. You, you reinvent. Well, to, to, to go and change your name, which is not necessarily something that happens on a regular basis, or to go back to your given name uh, and, and, and feel that empowerment to, to say, no, this is who I am. I'm not some Italian guy from Brooklyn, you know, uh, and, and, and to be fully authentic. Your friend, John Roger, he helped you with that, right? Yeah, yeah. More and more that, you know, an actor's, I just recently saw an interview with Hannibal Lecter, Anthony Hopkins, and uh, Jodie Foster. An actor's quest is to find out who he is so he can play better roles, so he can be more of himself in the role. That's a different technique. The other one is to hide who he is by creating such an incredible character. He's he's not but that's really not i have to disagree with the acting technique of the one that thinks he's playing a character Hmm. he's playing elements of himself that identify to the character on the page you can't uh, create an entity to enter you you know it's like oh yeah look so hannibal lecter entered me 
No, you know, he he saw the movie 2001 and he played the Hal voice. Yeah. So he copied, he copied that. And then, you know, there's things about Anthony that he produces out of himself that's creepy. That cuz he's he's such a great actor, he knows how to go there in himself. Yeah. And all these actors like Christian Bale is really a great actor to me, but he he's really Christian Bale. So he loses weight, he does all this stuff and and distorts his body, tortures it, but he's still Christian Bale. Like like he tortures himself to be something that he is not, but he takes elements of himself. But the great actor is Clint Eastwood. The great mm-hmm. actor is the guy that goes, Look, I'm not gonna really change much of who I am. Burt Reynolds too. Um you know, Bert and Clint are a kind of actor that I kind of like to be so that you don't work so hard at killing yourself to take to take yourself out of yourself. And Clint is Clint had a look, said a couple lines and he found himself in the spaghetti westerns, you know. Yeah, no doubt. And Bert did, too. And so but it's not to say one's better than the other. But Christian's such a fantastic actor. But I'm like, he tortures himself every film. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. No, I would torture myself to get those six pack abs you had in uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Elm Street. Yeah, yeah. 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 wouldn't we all? But but it's... yoga, yoga, and a good diet will do that to you too. So <laughs> <It's> uh... true. <laughs> well, I, found, I found out Brad Pitt was doing one time Pilates, so I got into Pilates. Yeah, but Pilates ab work is incredible. So I, I'm a I'm a a uh, big pro wrestling fan from back in the day, you know, nice. Hulk Hogan and all that stuff. And, and, um, I, I was a kindergarten teacher for 15 years. Wow. And when I was a teacher, I would uh, exercise with my kids and I taught yoga to my kids and we meditate and stuff like that. And I was very invested in the practice. Uh, and then this guy comes along named diamond Dallas page, who's a former wrestler and he had a bad back and his wife said, you should try yoga. He's like, I'm not doing yoga. That's for that's for girls, you know, he's that kind of guy. And, uh, and he tried it. It gave him another 10 years on his career and he created his own program called DDP yoga, which I'm obsessed with. I've been doing it for well over 10 years. It's, it's a mixture of Pilates and, um, power yoga, which is very popular in Santa Monica. And that's where I'm at. And, um, and I've been doing that my whole life. I swear by it. And, and I, all I, all I know is that you know, it, it's turned kids onto it. It's like, yeah, I want to do this yoga, you know, because it incorporates a little bit of the aggression, which we all need. <laughs> I feel like it's a very nice yin yang balance because I need that as 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 a human being to have an uh, an outlet to to kind of put it all out there. And it's kept me in shape. So there you go. Yeah, yoga's got such power in it if it's done right. You know, it's it's a oh totally. It's thousands of years old. You know, it's like and. uh I know. Yeah. Congratulations. I want to look that up or send me D- a link about it. Yeah, I will. I will. I'll, uh, off air. I'll, I'll send you some stuff. I'm <laughs> happy to a, send there you. There was a lady that did the bar method, which I, yeah. that's how I trained. It's okay. A, I, I used to do ballet. So it was ballet with Pilates and it was really hard. You know, it's all with the ball and the bar. Yeah. Yeah. So stretching with the bar and then you put the ball like between your legs and try to, uh, you know, you do all the ab work lifting your leg. Oh my God. And it's a 30 minutes of just burn, but I, you know, COVID must've killed her business. Yeah. It's hard. A lot of, uh, my, my wife loves to dance and that's her form of exercise. And, and fortunately her dance instructor is, does like videos, but you're not really making any money off that, you know, because six people are watching it and that's about it. But, um, but you're saying as far as ballet is concerned, is that how you got involved with fame and and, and yeah, no, well, an actor has to do everything. Like if you look at Robert Downey Jr., he's great. You know, he goes actors. I'm not saying good or bad, but the way I was trained in a Stella Adler Conservatory or mm. Uta Hagen, you go do dance, you go do sword fighting, uh, fencing. So you learn your body movement, Alexander technique. It's all body. You have you have to do that if you want to know about your body. So, uh, this, you know, yoga is a fantastic form of knowing your body so that when you're going into the scene, you're just like, you're pumped. 
nowadays yeah. like i i keep i i love the rock but man he pumps so hard his muscles <laughs> gonna explode his muscles are so big i don't know how he can walk without blasting his thighs open okay, so <laughs> what happens is you walk <clears throat> you walk like a muscle like a like a bodybuilder and you know he'll get those roles forever but at some point i'd love to see him just tone it down and get a different character like did you ever see that movie cop with uh sylvester stallone when he toned it down oh copland yeah copland mm -hmm. yeah yeah great great role great movie I mean, stallone is unbelievable and yeah when he went copland i was like man that was smooth you know that that uh that movie holds a special place in my heart because it, it showed that it was at a time when he was doing very similar roles, action yeah. movies and, and, and reminding people that he can act in a dramatic sense and playing a guy who was deaf in one ear. And, uh, you know, it's just so good. But I was, I was gonna say you're bringing up bodybuilders and you worked with Arnold Schwarzenegger and I know, I was, uh, nice segue, right? Collateral damage. So <laughs> I remember, uh, I was eating it. I was so trying to suck up to him. I'm like, yo, man, I'm, I'm working out. <laughs> I think we all would. <clears throat> and I'm eating, you know, I'm taking all this protein powder and he goes, that's all bullshit. You that? And he grabs a bagel and he goes, you need just to eat whole foods. It's true. Uh, and he's right. Uh, because what I found out is those protein powders, nothing bad about protein powder. Don't come after me. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of sodium in it. It looks yeah, yes. packets. So you bloat from water weight. So you look big and guys like Arnold can see right through it. He's like, that does not muscle. That's water. Go take a pee and come back. <laughs> and, <you know? laughs> and, uh, we used to play chess together. Like I really wanted to, I really loved Arnold. You know, he's an amazing guy. I still do. And, uh, I think I see him every time he has a heart surgery. <laughs> like I saw him in a convertible and he just got out of it. I'm like, how are you doing today? He's like, I'm doing okay. And you know, and he takes off. He's always biking. Uh, yeah. I see him biking around where I live. He's, he's a great, around here. he's a good exam. He's just a good man and a good example of someone that's living his life. And he didn't, he doesn't apologize for anything and went after it. And, uh, He's a great, that guy's crazy good. And uh, I see his son working out on, uh, I follow his son as in, I, I like his Mexican son. Um, <laughs> um, for those that, uh, the reason I like the extramarital affair son is that's how I was born. I was born, my mom didn't marry my dad. And when I look at the son, I go, man, he's, he's, he's got all these Kennedy kids. And then mm -hmm. he's got the Latino kid that looks more <laughs> like him than any yeah. of the Kennedy. <laughs> That's so, a trip. The, the, yeah. That's amazing. So yeah, Arnold was great. I played chess with them in the trailer every day. Uh, and then I, I sucked at it. And whenever he would come into the set, he would say, loser, <laughs> loser. He was always funny, got jokes. And that's where I took the little role and made it big. Um, and you sure I, did. Collateral so, Damage, I think, is a is a decent movie. Yeah. I really like it. Cliff Curtis was so gracious to let me play his sidekick, so he was great. I had no I lines. Just, no, no, but and 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 that's the thing. You, you, just your presence yeah. again, your presence on screen, and like you said, you seem to reinvent yourself every ten years, or you have this, you know, this run. And we're coming up on, you know, it's twenty twenty one now, so uh, the opportunities are there. Well, also you know? go, going back to like you know talking about being authentic and everything um my my wife is of mexican descent and first generation and and she <laughs> she i i i never want to speak for her i actually wanted her to come on here and say hi she was so nervous because so growing up in a, in a you know obviously a latin household um her mother didn't speak english uh, as well so they watched a lot of horror movies as a kid and because you know that can easily translate you know unlike comedies and whatnot and a nightmare on elm street is absolutely her her one of her favorite horror movies of all time but 
having you in that movie, representation matters. And when she was younger, she didn't have that. You know, it's not like it is today, which is one of the things I do love about now, like the current time we're living is I think there's a lot better representation. I think it can get better, but I think there is better than there was in the 80s. But I think that is important. And I know for her, it was important. Again, I didn't want to speak for her, but here we are. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I don't want to go too political, but, you know, the administration, they got all sorts of what I call just token people. And I was Mm. like, yo, man, what about Latinos? What about like a full blown Mexican with a hat, with a mustache, (laughs) like a Vicente Fox? Hey, yo soy el ministro de transportación. Here's what we're going to do. You know, I want to see some real or a Cuban or a Nicaraguan. I want to see some or somewhere from Spain. But uh, I was like, he's giving a lot of roles to different people. I, someone said he picked the Native American Indian, which is great. Yes. Because uh, let's diversify. Let's go cray cray. Yeah. Let's, let's give it to, I'd love to see a Puerto Rican or a Dominican. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we we have a better opportunity of that now than we did maybe a couple of years ago. Sure, <clears throat> sure. That's for sure. But yeah. No. And it, it, it is a beautiful thing to see the representation. And, and you know, obviously um, I, I, as a teacher, I taught a lot of social justice curriculum at five because I feel like you can reach, doesn't matter whether you're five or whether you're 35, it's all about the way you frame it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In order to understand it. Spirituality mm-hmm. is the same way. Mm-hmm. I think you you just ha- need to know your audience to connect with them and, and know what they're going to understand. And it was always a beautiful thing, you know, to talk to kids about diversity and, and, and just multiculturalism and respect and and common ground like we said earlier common ground and it's so much easier at that age to reach them because they're so untainted by all the other things in this world right and it's a beautiful thing and and in many ways i always wanted to live up on that mountain so i was (laughs) away from all the other stuff kind of what you were saying that you you know just a not ignorance for per se but just the idea of like not being bombarded with those mistruths or the, or the bias. I was, you know? um, I did a movie with, I, I'm like you, I'm like, I try to come into a movie like a five-year-old, the veil is up, there is no prejudice. And uh, I did a quick, I just quick story, did a movie with, uh, did you see me, myself and Irene? The, the <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Fairly Brothers. I think you're so co- supposed to call him small man. Yeah. yeah. The black guy. So I forgot his name, but um nobody was talking to him he was on the set i did a movie called i don't know what it was called but it was a crazy movie with rodney dangerfield (laughs) and he would get he would hire comedians ex-porn stars and he had this this young this young uh small guy there and i'm a curious guy so i became his friend i'm like yo how do you drive that car he's like i'll show you jay-z come on up here and so we hung out and so that's my thing part of the th- so he showed me how he drives the band it's all through the hands yep and yep. i'm talking to the porn stars because i want to learn how did they make all that money you know and <laughs> what are you doing with it are you investing in it and what's your distribution totally dude the girls loved that i was curious and then he was like yo jesus introduce me so then <laughs> every time at lunch we'd all be hanging out He's a cool guy, and I just learned so much about. He had to jump on the bench and get a seat. You know, he's he's up on the bench to be my level. But we we get we get into it like, you know, yo, you know, what about this? How do you do that? You know, and and I'm more like a five year old curiosity. When you have that curiosity, there's no room for uh, prejudice or biasness because it no. it's always. I want to be curious about the Trump people. I want to be curious about the, the liberals or the elitists or whatever the, it is. I want to be curious about it. What is it? What's going on? What? So I want to be in on it. Why? Why do you think like that? Uh, then why actors, really good actors, have a what if always in front of every sentence. And really good actors, and I'm surprised some actors like would attack Trump or things like mm. that. Yeah. Because even in military, um, you know, you never hate your enemy. You know, I studied with the guy that Hal Moore, who wrote the book on leadership and he was, it was the, we were soldiers, 
uh, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yep uh, true leaders uh, you know the real guys that that i know that fight in wars they don't hate their enemy they want they spend more time trying to bring their buddy home so they kill the enemy they don't mm-hmm. hate the enemy so it's like i got to bring zach and Corey home i will do everything i got to do to bring zach and Corey home and that means and annihilate the you know but i never saw the real guys saying i hate the other side you're not fighting for out of hate you're fighting to yeah, yeah. for a positive yeah. reason and a really smart person ha- knows the enemy or knows the opponent and and you don't you don't put that energy out to the opponent so as an actor the way i was brought up is if i was going to play trump but i'm being political now if i yeah, was, yeah. If I was going to be, uh, if I was going to be him, I got to get in his head. What's he thinking? What, you know, and I learned a long time ago that when you're playing a bad guy and not saying he's bad, if you're playing a bad yeah. guy, the bad guy doesn't know he's bad. And that's the compassion you have to have for someone like him. He yeah. doesn't know that. Yeah. Now, if you listen to Howard Stern, Howard Stern really does a great job because he just, he had a bunch, you had a bunch of therapy. So now yeah. Howard can analyze why he was off. Exactly. But until Trump knows that he can see himself that he was off, yep. you'll, you'll never be able to change him. So what's why are you getting upset? He doesn't know. Okay, anyway, go ahead. What were you saying? No, no, no. I, I totally agree with you. Um, first of all, I think therapy is a beautiful thing. I think everybody should do it in some form or, or way. Uh, I think the stigma of it being a negative thing is a bunch of crap. Um, well, that's you know, why we, actors, we... actors know how to analyze themselves. You know, some mm-hmm. end up killing themselves Yeah. because they can't forgive just the darkness or they're in pain. And that's kind of like why I'm out. I don't have all that stuff i do but i don't i just love myself so but i'm not going to use that and dig into that every couple of movies and keep cutting myself so i can get mm. the tear in the oscar so yeah. it's very to me i feel that every every person is talented with gifts how you abuse that gift for a result ends up becoming um, a consequence so if I keep crying in every film and I'm crying and I'm really crying, you got to get some help to, <laughs> to, to basically unpack that. I was married to one once, so I know. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not anymore, thank, thankfully. Uh, yeah, I, I, and, I, and, and speaking about all of that, I want to kind of talk about what you're doing now yes. as, a, as a you know mystical traveler. Right, is the documentary that you made a little while back. Twenty. Do, do you mind want to talk yeah, yeah. about that a little bit? Physical Traveler was. I always wanted to do. I wanted to direct. Steven Soderbergh was a big influence. He was the first guy to bring the red camera to work. The red camera yeah. is an yeah. amazing camera, and he had ice packs on it. it. Was overheating, and we shot Che, the movie Che. Yeah. And um, I played Che with Andy. And then Soderbergh hired me to play another character for Benicio. That's my second film with Soderbergh. I was blown away by this camera and I was like, you know what? I want to direct. And then I would email Soderbergh every now and then. And he'd give me some, he'd give me non-advice. Like the best people that you'll have around you is to not give you the advice. (laughs) (laughs) And so he would say crazy stuff that would inspire me, but let me fall on my own and let me learn on my own. Those are great teachers. So Soderbergh to me was, and so was JR. Let you fall on your own. He's got his hand out. Like, like you're a teacher, the five-year-old. You got to let that five-year-old kind of fall. And oops, I hit my head. Got it. I won't do that one again. Um, so uh, I wanted to do a story about his life. He did. It was unlimited money to do it. And I got to go into his archives. And I'd never done a documentary. And I, I talked to Soderbergh. I talked to some big editors and I learned it, finished it. And I retired. That was it. That was the, 
And I remember, I remember told JR, that's my opus as a co-director. And I told JR, I was like, man, we're done. And he goes, well, you'll probably never want to do this again. I'm like, you're right. I'm done. <laughs> and then it's not a, a documentary for everybody. It is a spiritual documentary about a man. And uh, I did pretty good because even though he's my best friend, I put controversy in it, which uh, some directors were saying, look, you don't want to be so biased. Uh, create a, a create a, a, a an obstacle. Where was it, the obstacle in his life? Yeah, he was attacked uh, in the papers. Okay, bring that up. Hmm. And then it was great because it, it felt fair, you know, like I did, of course I'm going to, but I also, I learned about journalism. You know, you start to, which is not anywhere on TV, but journalism is, is, is the investigation of the individual and you get more than one source and you back it up. And that's a documentary and it's pretty good. I shot it all on the red. I learned about how to make a movie. I can make a movie. And it's easy to make movies. Um, how about writing a book, though? <laughs> that was hard. That was. The, <laughs> but, you know, in the words of J.R.'s father, J.R.'s father was a coal miner. And they went up to him and he's a big foreman in a coal mining industry. And they asked him, but you didn't go to school. How would you do all this? And he goes, you see that Rolodex right there? I hire people that went to school and they can do all that for me. And that's really the way I look at it. I dropped out at a high school, got my GED, went to universities eventually, but you know, you got a smart person. I'm not saying I'm getting that I'm getting pretty smart, but a smart person knows his limitations and you mm. get the pros. That's it. I knew I can edit, but I can't edit this movie. This is egotistic. So I hired real editors. I knew I can shoot a film, but I'm not really a cameraman. So I got a professional cameraman. I knew I can do the sound. I can do a little bit of everything, but I'm not great at everything. So when you know your limits, then you can accelerate because you hire. What makes a great president is that you hire great people around you because a president can't. Exactly. Yep. A president doesn't really can't really do much. It's how he functions with the, with his cabinet and things like that. Yep. But, uh, yeah. But I, I, I loved it. You know, um, I don't think I want to do it again. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a control trip. It's an ego trip because you control a lot and you feel empowered. Everyone's coming up to you. This is the fallacy of movie making for, <laughs> six, for six months. Everybody loves you, does everything for you. I learned that on the set of Along Came Polly. So uh, 25 million, I don't know how many millions of dollars. Everyone's on golf carts and, and you got <laughs> trailers and whatever you need. If you sneeze, there's tissue, you know what I mean? <laughs> when, when you're done working, uh, take out the trash, you know what I mean? And yep. so you have to learn, an actor has to learn to rise and fall, rise and fall like a human. Because if you're just being pampered, 24 seven, you won't know what the real world is. Absolutely. And, uh, and like you said, when you've got all these people around you helping you make this project, the end result is hopefully a good thing. If you hire the right people or the, not just the yes men who are going to agree with you, or uh, yes people. Um, but then, like I said, with writing a book, you know, you wrote a book, dreams of the master. Is that the what love, I wrote two: the love of master dreams of master and COVID helped me hire uh, once a producer, always a producer. I hired um, actors to read my book for audible.com. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, though I found that actors that uh, were out of work during COVID that were a voice actors. I'm like, how would you like to? And they're like, oh, my God, I need to work. And Trust so, me, I'm a, I'm a voice actor, so I know what you're saying. <laughs> hey, hey. Uh, well, then you guys can kill now um, because uh, <laughs> uh, my uh, so that's writing a book was I knew uh, to just I can't type quick enough to to really align it with my thoughts. Hmm. So I recorded. I'm a good speaker. So as I speak, probably 100 percent of the crap that comes out, you can take 20 and then put it in a book. So I would go around the country and record 
what we call satsangs. Satsangs are coming together, talking about truth like this. We're just sharing. Cool. So if you record this, transcribe it, give it to an editor, they cut it. And that's not different than a movie. Hmm. Yep. And then cool. everything to me is title and a cover. I go backwards. What's the poster look like? I usually, um, very Roger Corman-like. My, yeah, yeah. my buddy worked for the studios. I gave him a couple thousand bucks and I said, get me a poster. And he made me like, the guy that made the King Kong poster, hmm. my buddy worked for the company and he, this guy works on giving you state-of-the-art posters branding to me is everything like the title totally what it looks like and yeah. then i fall i get in i get in line rank and file behind that inspirational wow i'll go i'll fight for that mm -hmm. and then you can promote it so that you constantly have the look and you have i don't have my book around me but you have the look and you have the the title was was the title everything's about the title in a movie or a book or whatever now, I'm looking at the cover actually right now yeah, of yeah. Uh, Mystical, or no, sorry, Dreams of a Master. Dreams of a Master. And it's basically just the first one, Love of Masters. How did I get over the everything I did while grieving? And the Dreams of a Master is okay, I got it. I know how to recover and go inside to find the people I lost. You don't go back to memory because that's gone. Like COVID, the world we once knew is over. Yeah. And I tell yeah. people, I do a lot of counseling, uh, you know, a lot of it free. Some of it I get paid, but I do counseling, which is, and you're right. My idea is to have a therapist in every corner that you can just like, Hey, how are you doing today? Totally. But basically the, the, re, we're not done yet. We're going to, we don't know the fallout of, and so I say this, we're the same actors in a new movie. The old movie's mm -hmm. gone. And everything you once knew is gone. Same people, your family's there. And some you might lose because in politics, I saw a lot of friends lose friends and things like that. Because um, I just wouldn't engage in conversations about hating Trump or loving yeah. this. Uh, you know, I'm a very, I, I like to say that I follow Christ, which means just this one line I love about him. If you do it to the least one, you do it to me. And so if I, if I screw my neighbor, then I've done it to me, then I've done it to him. And so I'm like, well, I can't do that as much as I don't like Trump. Then I just won't turn on the news and have unhealthy discussions by myself in my house. Cause I just saw him on CNN. Yeah. So, yeah. cause I don't know Trump. Right. But somehow we're to hate him cause they say so. And right. I'm like, yeah. Or, and I'm like, I'm not going to hate shit. This is like stone them. It reminds me of, I go to the middle, I used to go to the Middle East a lot. And, uh, you know, it's a group, it's a herd group. Let's kill them or let's lynch him. You know, I'm like, oh, reminds me of school. Let's beat them yeah, up. Totally. There's a fight after school. And I'm like, oh, wait, what do you mean? You know, and then you're, uh, before you know it, you're fighting someone you never wanted to fight, but the crowd gives you going. And I'm like, I can't do that. So I lost a lot of friends that way. I, I love what you said about um, I didn't want to have like an argument with myself over him. Like in at the end of the day, you're right. I, I didn't even think about that. It's like, yeah, I'm just like, it's all in my head. Like I'm yelling at him in my head. And, you know, Keanu, what does that help? Keanu Reeves, one of the smart guys said a, a little bit of awareness above the normal, a little awareness above normal will get you through. And the awareness is to be able to look at yourself. Like, what am I doing, man? I'm fighting mm -hmm. in the car by myself. Yeah. yeah. About a yeah. conversation with these other yeah. people, but I'm alone in the car. Why can't I be in the now? Yeah. Well, like, why, <laughs> yeah. why is my blood pressure raised? And I'm just in the shower. Like, what is happening? Yeah. And you realize it's, it's just all in your head. You're having yeah. phantom pre-conversations yeah. about what you might have with that person. Well, fuck them. You know, I'm going to, here's what we're going to do. I can, and then you're in the shower going, stop, stop. Yeah. And part of it is harnessing the mind that will start creating pre-conversations of a, of a meeting. And JR calls it the borrowing of a lawnmower where the guy, the neighbor across the street wants to borrow the lawnmower. I want to borrow Zach's lawnmower. 
And I'm like, yeah. So I'm crossing the street going, well, yeah. Well, what if he doesn't give me the long one? I'm just going to say, screw you, Zach. And totally. Maybe he's not there. Maybe he's going to give me this attitude. Then when I knock on the door and you go, hey, Zeus, I'm like, hey, stick the fucking lawnmower up your ass. <laughs> and, it's like, and then you're, Zach's like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, you can borrow the lawnmower. I don't care. And that's Take a bagel. Kind of like what we, that's kind of like what we do to amp ourselves up every day. Yeah, yeah. And uh, anyways, I laugh because I catch myself doing it. Like, who, who am I fighting with? I was with my girlfriend in Tulum, Mexico, walking. And she goes, where are you? And I'm like, in my head, fighting with the guys in L.A. <laughs> totally. <Yeah. laughs> oh, my God. It's so it, you're so right. It's so human. That, that's that's being a human, you know, and, and we do it every single day. Mm-hmm. There is there is no end game with this, with the with the self-care and the self-help and the self-love like it, you've got to do it every single day. Just like I told my son, I'm like, if I worked out today. That doesn't mean I don't have to work out ever again. You have to do it every single day. And the mental part of it is exactly the same. You have to constantly find that thing to keep yourself fit mentally as well as physically. And I, I you know, we're, we're starting to run out of time, but you are such an inspiration. And I'm sure you've gotten that from many people throughout your life. Um, but from two Joe Schmoes that you just met that, uh, you know, I, I, I it really it's really remarkable to have you on the show and not just talk about your acting career, but just talk about life. You know, we can do this again. It would be an honor. Sincerely. Anytime you want, man. I love it. I adapted and adopted to this world now. So otherwise, if you don't, you're going to (laughs) die. No, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I I fully agree. And I just, I just wanted to, you know, reiterate what Zach said. I I know he didn't talk a lot, but I was just absolutely mesmerized. And I, I, this is, it was a huge honor for me personally. Thank you, Corey. Yeah, of course, man. I, uh, I'm here to serve. Love you guys. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Podcasting After Dark's exclusive interview series with Jesu Garcia. And, as always, thank you for your support. Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human, something always watching, something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide if you were haunted for seven winters alone? Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone. A dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook.